Hey everybody and welcome to Mountain where we are all about making disciples, more and better disciples. That means helping people come to know Jesus and continue to grow in Jesus so we can really surrender our past, trust Him for our future, and follow Him every day. We're one church in about like a thousand locations and one of those is wherever you are today. So I really am glad you're joining us. If we've not met, my name is Ben and I really am saying welcome to you today. Glad you're with us. As we begin a new year, woohoo! Has anyone ever been happier to flip a calendar page than we are right now? I am so glad to see 2020 in the rearview mirror and, and something new out in front of us that we can look forward to. Do you kind of feel that way at the beginning of a year? Like, like it just sort of stirs up a little, I don't know, hopefulness and excitement and possibilities about things. I like to set goals. Any of you guys do ever do that? I mean, now there's a bunch of things about this next year and, and the future that we really can't control too much. Like we, we can't control like, well, when a vaccine comes out or you might not be able to control how much money you make at your job or stuff in your family, that kind of thing, right? But we can take responsibility for the steps that we can take and the strides that we can make, right? And our strides and God's strength together can help bring real change in our lives. That's what we want to talk about today. I'm um, going to draw from a passage of scripture from Philippians chapter 3. This is a guy named Paul. And if you want to read about his trip to Philippi, it's Acts chapter 16. Really crazy fun stuff that happens there, including a few hours in jail. But he's writing a letter back to them now about a gift that they've given to him. And he just kind of starts talking about how he longs to grow in his own relationship with Christ. I think he wants to be an example to them and, and to us. He says, I really, really want to know Christ. And then he says, I want to see that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to see that at work in my life. And that's often what we lack, isn't it? Because, you know, we often make these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to lose 100 pounds, whatever. I'll never be late for work, da, da, da. But, but we often fail in those resolutions because we're kind of grunting it out on our own willpower trying to force some strange new lifestyle upon ourselves overnight, right? And, and, that, and we fail so often. That's why some of us are so cynical. You won't even set a goal anymore, right? I know you. you you're just tired of failing and, and don't even want to play the game. Paul says, I don't want to live like that. Instead, he says, my only goal right now, above all other goals, is to know Christ. And I would hope that would be something you would be open to for 2021. Like whatever else you want to see happen with the turn of this page. Whatever else is on your sort of, all right, it's a new year, let's try this instead list. I hope that your goal would be like Paul to say, I just want to know Christ and experience the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in your own life. Because friends, when we get on that path of desiring to truly know Christ, not just to know about him, right, but to have a relationship with the living Jesus and his power at work, that's when real incredible change happens in our life. Paul says, you know what, I'm not there yet. I mean, he's like a super Christian, right? And he's like, I got a lot of growing to do in my relationship. Philippians chapter 3. I've not yet reached my goal yet. But here's what he says. Listen, here's the part I want you to hear in this verse. I focus on this one thing, he said. What is it? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. 
I want to reach the end of the race and receive this heavenly prize that God is calling me to through Jesus. He can sense that God is calling him forward. And so it's forgetting what is behind. Think about that. And straining forward to what is ahead. He says, I press on to win the prize that God is calling me to. Friends, we, we need to forget what's behind. We need to move past it. I mean, I, we've obviously got to learn from the past. I don't mean like ignore things and don't learn. And, and there's lingering hurts and losses from, from 2020, uh, but we just, we can't just live in a perpetual state of discouragement over 2020. It's a re, you know, it, it, that's a recipe for, for the opposite of spiritual progress in your spiritual life or any other part of your life. So yes, embrace your pain and all of that, acknowledge the sadness, but there comes a time, doesn't there, when you just got to forget what's behind and move on, right? Straining toward what is ahead and press on, like Paul said. And it's good to know, isn't it, that, that when we do that, that God is literally waiting for us in the future, like calling us to someplace we've not yet been. So we're calling this series, I think you're really going to like it, it's going to be super important over the next several weeks. We're calling it Wish You Were Here. Wish you were here. Years ago, I did some graduate study at Fuller Seminary. It's located on the West Coast in Fuller, uh, near L.A., um, California. And I spent a couple weeks out there, so I flew out there, and I'd sit in class like all day till about 3 p.m., and then I'd jump in the car, and I would take off to some exotic, wonderful location and just take it all in. Because I, I was you know, a Minnesota boy living in Tennessee at the time. I like, I, This was all brand new. I remember I went to Long Beach and Sunset Beach and Seal Beach and Huntington Beach, Manhattan Beach. I'd see everything. I'd usually play volleyball for a couple hours, and then I'd grab some food and, and sit on the beach just overlooking that majestic ocean. And then as the sun started to set with those waves crashing in, I would, I would read and and uh, just take in the sunset, you know, it's enough to take your breath away. Just an amazing experience. And I remember going into one of those little shops along the, the strip there and, and, and choosing the perfect postcard with one of those idyllic ocean scenes and sunsets on it, you know. And I addressed it to my beloved wife, Carla, and I wrote a message to her. And it began with four simple words. You know what they are, right? Wish you were here. Because that really was like my wish. I, I wanted to like share that beautiful place with her, right? To, so she could experience it with her. I loved her and I wanted her to be with me. I mean, I kind of wanted to go, you know, go home and be with her, but mostly I wanted her to come and be with me so we could experience that beautiful new thing together. So imagine for a moment that you go to your mailbox and you find a postcard and it's from Jesus. And it's got a personal note on it to you. And you know what it says. It's like, wish you were here. Here's the, here's the crazy, amazing thing about Jesus. He loves us so much. He always comes to us. He'll meet you right where you are, like anywhere. Like, let that sink in. Doesn't matter how far away or messed up we are. He'll come to us. But that's not all he does. He doesn't just come to where we are. He wants us to come where He is. He loves us just as we are, but too much to leave us that way. So He wants to take us someplace new for us to experience what He's experiencing as He is this perfect, pure, beautiful Son of God. He wants us to be with Him, to trust Him enough to follow Him to that new place. That may be the most important question you have to answer in 2021. 
It may be the most important question I have to answer in 2021. Do I trust Jesus enough to follow him to the new place he wants to take me? 2021, the most exciting thing is not going to be a vaccine or a new president or anything like that. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be if you go someplace new and become someone you are not yet because you followed Jesus. Man, that, that would be an awesome year. Because wherever you are right now, Jesus is saying, man, I wish you were here. Can you think about that for a second? There's a fuller, better, stronger, purer, more mature version of you that doesn't exist yet. It's still in the works. It's being created, you and God together. And it's a deeper version of you, a stronger version of you, more full of God's wisdom and, and, and His love and His goodness and His joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. There's a version of you that's just stronger in faith, more like God, more connected to the Spirit. It's out there closer to Jesus. And the gap between where you are now and where Jesus is calling you to be by saying, wish you were here, that's the journey that you're invited to take in 2021. Now, before we talk about where you're going and how you're going to get there, we need to talk about a really big and important question. Here it is. Where are you right now? <laughs> like exactly where are you in your life with God? And overall, I mean, where are you? Because where you are is really important, right? Because some of us are, are always like, you know what, I'm fine. I'm good. We, we have a tendency to overestimate our spiritual health, some of us. We think it doesn't really matter if we grow because we're kind of comfortable with the weak, mamby-pamby version of Christianity we have. So, you know, we'll just kind of keep, keep the way it is. You know, we don't even know what we're missing. C.S. Lewis said it's like a kid who's playing in a disgusting mud puddle, making mud pies in a little town. And you say to the kid, hey, you want to go on a beautiful vacation with us to the ocean where you can make sandcastles on the beach all day and enjoy the wonders and the beauty of it? And the kid says to you, no, I want to stay right here making mud pies, you know, in the street because she doesn't know any better. And some of us are kind of like that in our spiritual lives. We've become so accustomed to a kind of half-baked version of Christianity where, where it amounts to just like going to church once in a while or, you know, a few external behaviors, but never really like experiencing Christ in a personal way, an intimate, like on the daily basis, like drawing on His power, like knowing His peace and His presence, experiencing His nearness in a moment of crunch time really having joy in, in sorrow where we just say, I'll just stay here in my mud pie Christianity and, and, and we don't even want to go someplace new. So we really have to say, where are you? If that's you, you really need to, really need to think about that because there's so much change that is awaiting you. I know some of us, we actually have the opposite problem, right? We're always so down on ourselves and overly critical that we think, we're just these huge losers and spiritual failures because we forget that we have a spiritual enemy whose like full-time job is to attack and criticize and belittle you and make you feel small and vulnerable and weak and unworthy and dirty and stuck. 
So even when Jesus says, I'm your friend, you're doing great, I love you, let's keep going together on this journey, we don't even believe it because we listen instead to the overpowering voice of the adversary who says, don't listen, Jesus is too mad and disgusted and upset with you, and we just conclude we're these horrible, terrible, awful people, and we don't want to go, we give up on going anyplace new. So where are you really is a big question. Now, the first kind of real task of leadership and growth and change, and we actually talk about it a lot at Mountain, is called defining reality. Like, we have to get that true picture. Before we can see where God's inviting you to go when he says, wish you were here, you really do have to kind of know where you are right now. So how do we do that? What's the best way? Let me give you three things. Ask God, ask some friends, and ask yourself. Ask God to show you. Psalm 139 says, God, just... I want to lay my heart open to you. I want I, Search me, oh God, and know me, examine me, look within, and tell me what you see. Open yourself before God. I'm, I'm having our, our septic tank at our house pumped uh, this week, and, and it's not pleasant, okay? <laughs> you don't really want to be around for that when they lift the lid, and it's like, there's all this stuff, right? It's just kind of messy and embarrassing, but if you don't deal with it, it, it it's a bigger problem, right? And this first step of asking God is a little bit like that, like, like saying, okay, God, lift the lid and, and tell me whatever it is you see, and if it's unpleasant or embarrassing and foul, I'm ready to leave some past behind. This may reveal to you that one of the most important things for you in 2021 is to change, to turn away from something to God to simply stop some behavior or some thinking pattern that's filling your heart with sewage. Maybe you need to forgive someone or make a change to your daily rhythms or behaviors that's contaminating your soul or filling your mind with poop. Ask God. Then ask a trusted friend, someone who loves God and loves you. Make sure it's someone who loves God and loves you. And you just say something like, you know, could you just tell me what you've seen me that maybe looks good maybe looks a little bit like Jesus right now, let them encourage you by telling you something they see. And then be willing to ask, what's something that you think would help my growth in, in Christ right now? Ask God, ask a friend, and then ask yourself. Ask important questions like, man, where's my heart really heavy right now? I mean, what baggage am I carrying into 2021 that if I don't do something about it, it's going to weigh me down, it's going to kill me? Because remember, Jesus says his burden is light and his yoke is easy. If you're carrying a super heavy burden, you're not going to move very far or very fast. Do you need to unburden yourself? You know, a question will reveal that. Gordon McDonald is 80 years old now. I, I've never actually met him in person, but I've heard him speak several times. I've read all his books, and he's like, I feel like he's one of my mentors. And he said the other day, I want to never stop growing. And the dude is 80, okay? And he says, here's how he does it. He asks himself important questions. And that's what you and I need to do as well. Like, really be honest and ask, you know, what's this last year been like? What have I learned? What are the good things that have come out of COVID, those unexpected blessings that I don't want to go back to the way we used to do things just because it's over now? But what are the simpler living and time with family and time with the Lord that you want to keep? And then maybe ask, well, what mistakes have I made? What regrets do I have? Write it all down. What do you want to do differently? What's in your power to change? What do I want to be able to look back on 2021 and say? And then build a plan and 
get on the path toward it. So you ask the Lord, you ask some friends, and you ask some, yourself some good, hard, penetrating questions, and it will really help you see where you are. And you know, studies have shown that since COVID, um, March 2020, something like that, they talk to people who are connected to God about their church. And when this whole thing hit, what we've learned over the intervening months is that about a third of people who used to belong to a church are like still connected deeply to the church. They're like in a group, they're here every weekend or they're online, whatever it is, they're still giving and involved in the mission of the church. There's another third that's kind of what I would call not connected, but kind of just casual in their connection, sort of so-so, and it shows in their faith commitment. They're probably not really doing the group thing. They may or may not be involved anymore. You know, they're kind of in and out sort of thing. And there's another third, a third that have pretty much done nothing with their faith, like are totally disconnected. They just... Like when the distancing happened, they got distanced from God and their church. So the question is, which third are you in? Where are you right now? You know, that's a pretty important question as you think about where you're going to go next. You know, around here at Mountain, we, we also like to think about our spiritual growth as a kind of continuum like this. You can kind of picture it like this. I, and I know that labels are kind of dangerous. So, you know, we, we don't want to put anyone in a box, but it does illustrate something true. And this kind of shows the movement that people actually have in their life. So we we'll use some labels like way over here at a minus 10, this is a moment when a person receives Christ and over here is plus 10, super mature Christian, right? Over here at minus 10, you might have what you would call I'll put AA for antagonistic atheists, like they're really turned off by religion and church and Christians are a big problem. And then maybe over here at minus seven, you have someone called an indifferent agnostic. They just like, they don't know what they think about this whole thing and they don't care because Christianity is just irrelevant. And then you, as you move up here, maybe a minus three, you could call it like someone who's curious but cautious. They, they, they're drawn to some Christ followers. They've met some pretty cool people who, who, are, who are Christians, but they're cautious because, you know, they don't want to be extreme or weird, and there's some stuff in the Bible they don't really know about, so they're cautious. And then there's this moment where a person crosses over the line of faith, says yes to Jesus, and begins, you know, their walk with Christ. And the goal isn't to stop there, like get baptized and then just say, oh, I'm in. The, 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 the goal is to keep moving and move past the baby stage. So here's the plus three, and that's like maybe a baby believer, right? Just exciting, new, and wonderful. Everything's fun and you're contagious, but you're not meant to stay there. Some move on then to like, I don't know, we'll call it like a growing Christian or, or something like that. And, and, and this is people who have figured out that you can make decisions in your life, add practices in your life that will help you move past baby food stage, past the feed me, feed me, feed me stage. I want more food. Someone needs to change me. That's a baby Christian. But a growing Christian learns how to be in the word and to be connected to other people, to love God, love people, and serve the world in beautiful ways. And eventually we move all the way up to where it looks a lot more like Jesus. We could call it a reproducing disciple because this is someone who's like walking with Jesus, but saying, hey, come along with me pouring into other people, encouraging other people, and always thinking about them. Same question for you right now. This is maybe not a perfect example of where everyone is, but you're on this chart somewhere. So, where are you? 
take a look at it and in your mind put a dot right there. I'm thrilled that we have some folk who are like, you know what, honestly, this is me down here. Or some people who are moving in maybe this direction or some curious but cautious seekers or people who've just made a brand new decision for Jesus or some baby Christians or growing Christians. And I know we have some of these, but here's the thing. It's totally okay where you are right now. Totally okay, but know this. If you listen and lean in, quiet your spirit, you will hear Jesus say to you, man, I wish you were here. <laughs> and here is anyway, anywhere that way from where you are now. It might be just one step. Some of us have been stuck during this COVID. We didn't just not go out of our houses. We didn't venture very far spiritually. And so it's time to move again, to forget the past, to look ahead and press on, right? Here's a phrase we use around here. It's called, uh, are you going to just go through COVID or are you going to grow through COVID? I love that, man, because it like, seizes the moment and says, we're not just going to waste time here. Are you going to go through COVID? Are you going to be able to say, I, I want to grow through COVID? I heard someone say, it's kind of funny, they said, when, while in quarantine, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. While in quarantine, Isaac Newton developed calculus and identified gravity. While he was held in prison, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. While he was held captive on house arrest, Paul wrote huge portions of the New Testament. While sequestered in Wartburg Castle, Martin Luther translated the New Testament into German. While in self-isolation during COVID, I consumed a large bag of pork rinds and I watched all of The Office season four, <laughs> okay? I mean, that may feel pretty close to home for some of us, right? Like, hopefully you took some steps forward in your faith and, and were able to grow through COVID instead of just trying to get through it. I've met some of you who've had some great spiritual experiences. Some of you way down on the left side of this chart that have started to hang around mountain and get to know Jesus just for the first time during this COVID. And I know others of us have kind of tanked, slid backwards, maybe moved the wrong direction. Maybe all you've got to show is some chips and Netflix for this rare opportunity that we've had. Forgetting what is behind, it's time to move on. Straining forward, we press on. And we're going to take some action steps together so we can not just go through COVID, but grow through COVID. Instead of just trying to make it, it's time to mature. God isn't calling you just to survive. He's calling you to thrive in Him. It's time to get off the schneid and take a stride in 2021. And to do that, I think we need a lot more than a New Year's resolution. It feels more like what we need is a revolution. A revolution is something bigger, like radical change, like when something gets upended, a war or pushback or, you know, the digital revolution, the industrial revolution, it changed the way we do things. Are you ready for that, for a revolution in your spiritual life? Or you want to just bump along in the same way that you are? You know, 2 Corinthians says that if anyone, anyone, anyone on the continuum there, that includes you and me, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And the old is gone and the new has come. That's way bigger than a New Year's resolution, y'all. That's like revolutionary. And it calls for acts of revolt on our part. 
Philippians 1, 6 says, I am confident of this. I mean, you can be sure of this, that the same God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion right until Jesus returns. God's been at work in your life already in lots of ways through COVID in ways you maybe don't even recognize. But when the Bible says there that you know, he who began a good work in you is going to carry it on. It's referring back to creation. Like just as surely as God started creating on day one and finished up and then rested, God began something in you. And if you'll just cooperate with him, he will he'll continue that work. He will be faithful to help you keep growing forward, forgetting what's behind and looking forward. You know, spiritual growth is like farming. Someone asked the farmer, what's the key to it? And he says, well, you, you pray like it all depends on God but then you work like it all depends on you. And somehow together, your effort and God's grace, the crops grow. And that's how it is in our spiritual life. It's how it's been in my life. The time I've worked the hardest at it, while remembering it really isn't up to me, those are the times that I've grown the most. So we wanna be intentional and realize there's stuff that we do and there's stuff that God does. The Bible says in Philippians 2, work out your own salvation. And the next verse says, because it's God who does the work. So. Go to work yourself and never forget it's God who does the work. So this is all really big stuff. Talking about new creation, talking about revolution. So when we, when we do whatever we want in life, we generally end up where we don't want to be. Let me say that again. Whenever we just kind of do what we want, I don't want a revolution. I'm going to go along with the flow. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to work here. I don't want to discipline myself. Whenever we do what we want to do, we end up where we don't want to be. If you think about that, it's true in your life. Some of us have a pile of debt right now because we did what we wanted to do, but we ended up where we didn't want to be. Or maybe your marriage is hanging by a thread. Or maybe you have a strained relationship with your kids or someone in your family. Or maybe your health is a mess because when we do what we want to do, it generally leads us where we don't want to be. So this is why we're suggesting that there are some things we might not naturally do. But if we just made a few key decisions, it could really change our, our lives. And that's what we mean when we say, let's make a New Year's Revolution. A resolution is something you do on your own strength, and that's why we often fail with it, right? Resolutions are famous for how short-lived they are, but a revolutionary way of living is living out of God's strength to revolt against the easy path and let Jesus take us to a new place where a lot of people around you aren't interested in going. But you could go and you could become that person in 2021. So I'm going to invite you to join me in 2021, in some acts of revolution, all right? I'm going to tell you about one of them today. Things that I, they will really help us grow through COVID and, and leave behind whatever downward pull is there from 2020 and forget the past and move on. God is really calling you and he's saying, I wish you were here. We're going to use some just simple, time-tested, biblical acts of revolt, you could call them, New Year's revolutions, that will help us follow Jesus and get off the schneid and take a stride. Now, another thing we say at Mountain a lot is we talk about the difference between lead measures and lag measures. Some of you maybe have heard from that in a, you know, a business context or something like that. Lag measures. 
They're the end result of something you want to see changed. You want to see sales go up, you want to see your weight go down, whatever. That's the lag measure, okay? So I've put on some weight in COVID, all right? And I want to lose 10 pounds over the next three months. So there's my, there's my lag goal, my measure. Now, when you stand on the scale and weigh yourself, that, that's, you're going to get that lag measure. And it tells you right where you are. And it says, oh, I'm 10 over where I want to be. What we need is a process, right? A plan, like small, doable, actionable steps. I can't just go cut out 10 pounds on my body. I'm not going to do that right now. What I, what I need is a bite-sized, manageable stride that will directly contribute to that ultimate goal. It may, I may not get there in one jump, but I can take a step every day. And these small steps that we know will help lead us in a good direction are called lead measures. They lead you to the desired destination, the lag. So what would be some lead measures if we use our example of me losing 10 pounds? And I'm sure I'll get lots of help on this over the next few weeks, but sitting around and just hoping something changes doesn't change it. Standing on the scale doesn't change anything. It just tells you where you are. So I need these small doable steps. So I could say, for example, I'm going to go for a, a walk every day. I'm going to walk one mile on a treadmill or outside. I can measure whether I did that or not. And I could say, I'm going to stop eating after 8 p.m., so no more ice cream at 10. And I'm going to cut out dessert Monday through Thursday, and I'm going to move from three sodas to one soda, uh, you know, a day. Now, if I do those things, they're very small and manageable. But if I really do them, and I stop just focusing on, I got to lose 10 pounds, I got to lose 10 pounds, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, whatever. Uh, you know, if, if, I, if I just learn to change my lifestyle and go for a walk every day, I don't have to decide, am I going to go for a walk? I just made the decision ahead of time. I'm going to do the simple lead measure. I make it a habit. I make sure I do it. I stop eating after eight, and I do that. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? When I step on the scale, I'm going to see progress. So encourage me in that, right? Guess what? It works this way in all of life. Whether you're saving money for a car or, or, you know, expanding your vocabulary or decluttering your basement, you break it down into those steps and that's what'll work. Same thing in our life with God, y'all. You don't just say, I got to be more mature. I feel bad. I'm spiritually fat. No, no, no. We can break it down together. We're going to do that this year. We're going to do that in January with some time-tested practices that, that you and everyone that is listening to me right now can do if you want to step on the spiritual scale later and say, wow, I really have left some of the past behind. I have moved forward. I am becoming this new creation that God is making of me through our cooperative work together in Christ. I'm not held back by the things I was. None of that's going to be happening overnight, but it's going to happen through these little steps. Are you ready for me to tell you um, the first really cool um, Revolution action. Okay. And I just want to say, I, I really hope everyone listening will join me in this. All right. It's a spiritual exercise that terrifies Satan and thrills Jesus. And, and I, just, I just really hope you'll give this a go. All right. The first simple practice is this. It's going to help us grow in Christ. And I'm going to invite you to join me and the elders and our pastors and staff in a month of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Fasting is an ancient biblical practice. Jesus fasted. He expected that his followers would fast, it says in the Bible. Uh, and it's like a lead measure because when you do it consistently, it doesn't look like much, but you combine it with a pure heart of prayer and seeking God and you find that it opens up all kinds of stuff in your spiritual life when you do it. And you can step on the spiritual scale later and see some change. You don't always understand how it works, but it does.
Fasting is just simply abstaining from something, withholding it from yourself for a period of time, usually food, as a sign of devotion to God. And it's revolutionary because we live in a time when everyone tells us, don't ever deny yourself anything. All of your desires must be met. Don't deny yourself any craving. Fasting says, no, 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 no. I'm going to revolt against that. And in an in a act of dedication to my God, not to lose weight, but in a, not trying to manipulate God. It's not a good luck charm. But just an act of dedication to God. We humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I want you more than a hamburger today. I want you the way a deer thirsts for streams of living water. And, and during the fast, you're going to get those hunger pangs once in a while. And everyone's like a, a built-in little alarm, a reminder to say, think about your relationship with God or whatever he's got your attention on. Because you're going to give God your full attention in these times. It's one thing to say in my mind, I want to try and remember God. But when we fast, our bodies get into the act and they help us. When we fast, our stomach kind of helps us remember. And it's like a little prayer bell that goes off. And all through the Bible, God's people fast and pray as a way of crying out to God, and they often do it together, and we're going to do it together, appealing to God. We pray very often as elders for this church for big moments, especially when we want to just ask God for His help and guidance. You can be assured we did that a bunch in 2020. And as we head into a new year, forgetting what's behind and pressing on to what's ahead, even though we may be distanced, we're going to fast together and it's going to bring us together and we're going to cry out to God to heal our hearts and help our church and bless our mission and help our heal our land and reach people, whatever it is that God lays on your heart because fasting is powerful. Here's how it works. I know a lot of you have probably never fasted. That's okay. You can do it, all right? It's a simple lead measure. It's a simple discipline. What, what is it? We're going to fast together once a week for the month of January from Thursday night after dinner until Friday night at dinner. Who is it for? You, okay? If you're listening to me, try it. Doesn't matter where you are with God. Doesn't matter if you've done it before. Nothing to lose, all right? Any heart that's open to change, hungry to grow, available to God is going to experience something. When? 24 hours, sundown to sundown, Thursday to Friday. I like to eat dinner on Thursday night. I don't eat through the rest of the evening on Thursday and then skip the first two meals on Friday. Um, don't snack throughout the day. Yeah, you know, taking some liquids, that's fine. And then break your fast Friday night with your evening meal. We'll all be doing that together. So every Thursday to Friday this month, January 7, 14, 21, and 28. How? Put it on your calendar right now or you will forget. You'll mean well, but you'll forget. Put it on your calendar for Thursday night and Friday morning. And then just stop eating. Drink some fluids as you go. And uh, you may have a medical reason. Talk to your doctor if you do. Maybe you abstain from something else, your phone or social media or something like that. But change up your routine for God. And if you're able to set some time for prayer and journaling or just reading some scripture, you'll find your mind is clearer and uh, be expectant for God to do something. And why? Because this is a time-honored biblical practice that's simple, and every one of us can do it as we head into 2021. We need to draw near to God so He can draw near to us and help us get where He wants us to be, to cry out to God. Your soul needs to cry out for God, and it'll do it better when you fast and pray on behalf of our kids and family and nation and world. I also know this can be new to you and maybe there's a ton of questions or you just like to talk about it before you do it. So this Wednesday, I'll be doing a live teaching and conversation with some others to just to talk about fasting. It's a little bit of biblical teaching on it, but mostly answering super common practical questions 
uh, in about a half hour or so, and I hope you'll join us this Wednesday. Stay tuned to Ben's Notes, watch the website, and you can join us, and then we'll be ready to begin Thursday night, all right? If you want to receive a reminder text, just text the word FAST to the number that's in the chat or the comments, and we'll send you some information, a little reminder, a little scripture guidance throughout the day, okay? Next week, I will be excited to tell you about the next super practical lead measure that's also time-tested and biblical, something we can all do that will really make a revolutionary change in your life and mine so that we can not just go through COVID, but go through COVID. Until then, don't get caught up in the details. Remember, it's about your relationship with Jesus. And I'll see you next week.